0: Trademarks owned by Beckel AB to CV, 2024, Proximo, Jersey City,
1: New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. Gangsters. What's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God. Here are your hosts, John Annick and Kenny Florian.
0: Gangsters. We're like the furthest thing from gangsters.
2: Kenflow actually
0: is pretty sneaky underground gangster. <laughs> uh, just ask Colby Covington how fucking gangster Kenflow is. Hi, folks. I was actually going to try to avoid that the whole show and 10 seconds in. Uh, It's Monday, December 18th, 2017. Appreciate y'all being here. Episode 136 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And man, did I appreciate seeing Ken Flo in Winnipeg. Pleasant surprise. Uh, what a short notice fighter you are! Just crushing it on that Winnipeg desk. Um, who went out of his way to come
3: see you? By the way,
0: who got security to take Mr. me up Anik? to the fucking desk,
3: Mister Anik? Yeah, I, I, I'm just glad. I'm just glad when one, one of the guys in the audience asked who would win between Kenny Florian and Colby Covington, uh-huh. that you said Kenny Florian because you know. I, I, listen, I, I would have gone with Colby I would have gone with Colby myself.
0: Yeah, you know? well, the point is, is is that if you had to actually fight him. On whatever notice, you're not not like you're going to have to weigh in. This is just going to be an an impromptu thing backstage at a weigh in or something. I take Ken Flo first round (laughs) rear naked choke, choke him unconscious, and then you leave. I'm not asking you to fight him over 15 minutes. Um, I actually had a listener come up to me and say, man, you love Kenny Florian on that (laughs) podcast, huh? Like you like him. He doesn't like you as much. You can tell on the show.
3: (laughs) Oh, he did. They said that. Yeah. Oh, that's And phenomenal. I was like,
0: I was like, he does like me a lot, though, but no. definitely not as much. But I'm OK with that. I wouldn't kiss um, you
3: on the lips, but no, know. I don't yeah. blame you. I don't yeah. blame you.
0: Uh, so um, so much of the MMA community uh, is in a somber state today. And, and this is just going to be a struggle. I mean, this is when you don't want to have a podcast. And I say that with all due respect to what we're about to get into. But it's just hard to put into words uh, the passing of Robert Follis. Just absolutely shocking. Word came out Sunday uh, that the longtime MMA coach and figure icon, as I would call him, uh, Robert Follis, had passed away. Um, You know, Kenny, I considered Robert a friend. Obviously, this is a very tight-knit community, and you can develop relationships pretty quickly. And I'm just heartbroken for, for all of his fighters and his longtime girlfriend and his close friends and his students and all those that are closest to him. We've had him on this show before, obviously. We have immense respect for, for the man Robert Fallis was, and uh, I think this loss just hits people hard, man, which uh, which is obviously a statement to, to how many people
3: he touched. Um, it, it hit me particularly hard. I've known uh, Robert Follis since 2005, um, wow. and uh, always one of the great guys in the sport, um, whether he was coaching against me or not. Um, just a very real and authentic guy, and um, you know, when my brother had passed away, um, I had seen Robert, and he came over to me, and and um, you know, sent his condolences to me, and and we talked for a long time, and I, I didn't know that his brother, um, had had taken his life, um, just you know, probably like two years ago, mm. and I know obviously it had hit. It had, hit, it had hit him, uh, very hard and, um, you know, we had a long conversation about it and, uh, basically he said, you know, if you need anyone to talk to, you know, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I, I said the same thing and, and he, you know, he, he had expressed that he had, uh, been dealing with, you know, depression and different things like that, but he's, you know, he's, he had been feeling good and all that stuff. And, um, you know Jeez, and and, and hearing and hearing uh that news was just really hard not not only just with robert it brought up things in in my life and um it's just it, it it's an awful situation um i've been feeling pretty down since i heard the news uh mm. and I, I can't believe what you know his close friends and, and family members are are going through right now um it it leaves a lot of questions and and all i can say is that when something like that happens, you know it's very quick to judge and and make, um, you know, opinions, um, and it just hurts all the way around. But for for a lot of people, you know, you, you never know what someone's going through. You never know the pain that someone's going through. And all you could do is, number one, be in touch with your feelings as much as you can, and share that with people and. Uh, communicate with people the best that you can because a lot of times you, you, holding these things in or whatever it is that you know past history it will reveal itself in some way shape or form Um whether it's emotional pain physical pain disease illness illness all these things and um we just have to be way more compassionate as as people as family members uh more open-minded and, and just um just, just be aware of what people are dealing with. And um, and a lot of times um, we don't see it. A lot of people just are, are holding those feelings in, and you don't exactly know what someone's dealing with. And and it's just a tough situation all the way around, man. And obviously we found out what happened with Tim Elliott. Uh, he was supposed to be in the corner of, of Tim Elliott. We'll get right. more into that later. So, you know, for Tim and, and, and his team and, and, and all the people around there, just – you know, not knowing what happened and then hearing that news it, it just has to be extremely difficult my, my heart goes out to all those people and I didn't quite know how
0: difficult you know this was for you obviously having had the chance to connect with Robert about that you know of course I knew of the similar circumstances that both of you had been dealing with but I just didn't know that that you would have had the chance to uh to connect with him you know on that level so recently you know and uh I I can't imagine how raw that makes everything, you know, feel for you and, and, uh, you know, my heart goes out to you always, uh, and often, um, you know, as far as Volus is concerned, Kenny, you know, he, he didn't have Jonathan Snowden from bleach report was set to go to Vegas and and do a long form feature on him and talk about his depression and a lot of these different things. And he was never a showy guy, right? Like he never wanted that spotlight. Uh, or, or to be the coach of the year. And, 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 you know, by the way, our Anakin Florian podcast awards are January 8th. We'll be naming our Cornerman of the year award, uh, the Robert Follis coach of the year award. Um, but just how many people, Kenny, and maybe more intimately than, than maybe he thought the, the lives that Robert Fallis had impacted, uh, you know, even someone like me who I got a chance to take a picture with him in Mexico City, thank God, last November. You know, maybe he didn't even realize the extent to which he had impacted me in those several fairly short conversations. Uh, Infectious guy, great communicator, obviously. I mean, what a voice, you know, and a tone that was just unmistakably his. Um, Someone you wanted to learn from, and I think someone you wanted to listen to and, and be around and do what he'd tell you to do if you were a fighter. Uh, And I just can't imagine how hard this is hitting his fighters here on Monday to lose your chief corner and advisor and and a go-to guy um, without much in terms of answers, I guess. So uh, just a very sad situation, and uh, we'll be talking about it with a lot of people throughout the course of the show. Um, But, Kenny, I know on social media you've sort of used your voice to – to alert people to some of these things, and that you do need to communicate, and uh, I think it goes both ways, right? Communicate things that are painful, and also the love. That's why I had Kenny, our security guy, usher me up to the desk because I didn't want to. I didn't want to hold in my love. I figured I needed to go up to the <laughs> yes. desk and, uh, and and I appreciate while that. I had the yes. chance. You know, Karen Bryan thinks I'm coming. Out KB, <laughs> I love you. I'm not coming up to see you. <laughs> UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. I like. You. I, I'm not coming up to the desk to see you. All right, let's get into this Winnipeg show because it was crazy. Never a dull moment. Light in this uh let's get to headlines
3: headlines it's time for headlines i
2: have some very urgent and important breaking news headlines on the john ennick and kenny florian podcast
0: so kenny i usually have a pretty good idea as to who i feel like you're going to pick in some of these big fights and i, I thought you would have landed on Rafael dos anjos yeah I, I know there are a lot of different elements to this fight robbie lawler uh, he suffered a rib injury. His left leg was compromised in the fight. Massively disappointing for him because he sort of felt like he did have the ability to take Dos Anjos's best fights, uh, best shots, I should say, and stay in a 25-minute fight. But this Dos Anjos, man, is something else. And if this dude becomes the first Brazilian welterweight champion after becoming the first UFC Brazilian lightweight champion um, – You know, first ballot Hall of Fame type stuff. So big win for Dos Anjos over the weekend. Obviously a lot of elements, though, to this main event.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rafael Dos Anjos um, really just fought the perfect game plan. And, you know, Tyron and I had had breaking the fight down. um, and We did the demo, and, and we said over and over and over again, the guy who leads the dance, the guy who's able to go forward in this fight is who's going to win this fight. You you had two high-pressure fighters, two guys with a lot of offense, a lot of different weapons, uh, and Rafael Dos was the guy. He was the guy who was able to back up Robbie Lawler repeatedly, um, employed that beautiful leg kick, and and the problem with that particular leg kick, as I've mentioned before, is when you're attacking the outside of the calf, it is difficult to block. Uh, Robbie started adjusting to that leg kick a little bit later. You can't pick up your leg to do your traditional block as you would when someone's trying to kick your quad. You have to kind of turn it outward uh, on the canvas, so it kind of it hits more of your shin. Um, uh, but if you try to lift it up, as Robbie did a couple times in that first round, it will knock you off off balance. Uh, it can also screw up your knee because you're gonna you're gonna step awkwardly. I don't know if that was one of the instances of how Robbie hurt his knee. I believe his uh, yeah. coach Kami um, told me that uh, it was on the ground, I guess, or they're stopping a takedown or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. Um, either way, it, it's a very uh, painful kick. It it, it uh, it really causes a lot of damage um, when you step forward, right? So now that was limiting his fork, that was limiting his ability to move forward, and it allowed Javier Dos Anjos to back him up repeatedly and just throw combination after combination. And he was beating up that leg to the point where Rafael, when he came up to talk to us, was limping. His leg was really messed yeah. up. So um, it was just really impressive, even the fact that he was able to land those takedowns. And once Robbie hurt his knee, he was basically stuck. He could not move. He yeah. had to wait for Rafael to come forward. And and Robbie's just never been a, a high-level counter-striker. Very few are good at counter-striking. Um, yeah. He was looking for big shots, getting a little wild, and, and Rafael, obviously, too skillful. Uh, to get caught with one of those, and hard to land when you're backing up. Obviously, yeah. right? I, I hear a lot of guys talk about how
0: how hard it is to be masterful landing forward and moving backwards. Yes. So uh, for for Rafael Dos Anjos. What else can you say about what this guy has done, uh, in particular, 170 pounds? You know, he, he leaves lightweight after going five rounds at altitude with Tony Ferguson, and he got beat up that night, right? And even in this night, you're saying he was limping. You know, we see a lot—25-minute fights in the UFC are no joke, brutal. even the winners. You know, Cody Garbrandt, after he fought Dominick Cruz, could barely walk to the set, you know, despite— winning a fight pretty clearly. So but for Dos Anjos, right, Tarek Safadine gone, Neil Magny in a couple minutes, but Robbie Lawler, right? Hoffey said to me in the post fight interview, he believes this is the guy, right? This is the most dangerous welterweight in the world for him and he obviously he deserves a lot of credit for injuring Robbie Lawler in a lot of respects, despite Mm -hmm. Lawler's obvious disappointment. Um, but he beat Robbie up on the feet. He had the big flurry in that second round, obviously, and was able to not tire and, and keep up his patented pace through the final 18 minutes thereafter. Uh, just absolutely incredible I think what this guy has done and, and all indications are he's going to sit on the shelf and, and wait for your boy T. Wood and, and fight for that UFC welterweight title.
3: As he should and he deserves it and, and I think I was hesitant in picking Rafael dos Anjos because of the size difference. When you saw them yeah. you know, even, even at the weigh-ins Robbie looked so much bigger and I said you know this isn't a Robbie Lawler the old school Robbie Lawler that can only go like two hard rounds. This is a guy who's been five rounds with Carlos Condit uh, with, with some of the best fighters in the world and and I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he could pull it off. Robbie knows how to pace himself now. Um, yeah. he's become a, a much more skillful fighter. Uh, so I had my doubts. But this is clearly uh, a Rafael dos Anjos who, who should be fighting at welterweight. Um, and he obviously has all of his energy. And, and I kept pointing back to that Tony Ferguson fight. I said, you know, Tony's a big, big lightweight. Um, he's a guy who can go five hard rounds. And, and I said, you know, I don't know if Rafael would be able to do this here. But clearly, yeah. this was a Rafael Dos Anjos who was cutting way too much weight at lightweight. Yeah, now, I na- mean, now has all his energy, all his strength. It's like I don't want to take away
0: from Eddie Alvarez's win against Rafael right. Dos Anjos. But, you know, RDA's walking to the octagon that night just not feeling like he's going to be able to to compete at the weight. And I just hope that this eventually becomes the norm and not just a trend with higher profile guys. And hearing that Donald Cerrone is going back to 155 pounds, I'd, it's not necessarily the, the struggle for him that it was for Dos Anjos, but it's a struggle for Cerrone, right? I mean, he's yeah. every bit 5'11", if not 6 feet. Yes. And uh, I just I want to see the trend going into RDA. So it's like I sort of root for it, right? I root for these guys who, who move up, like Chad Laprise succeeding at 70. I root for that because it takes the kid 12 weeks you know, to make 156 pounds. Like, it takes him three months to systematically work his body down to a weight that he probably shouldn't be fighting at. So uh, so big ups to uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. And I think Tyron Woodley's the toughest fight for him in this division. And uh, you, you expect that to be competitive
3: and that to be next, ultimately? I do. I, I absolutely think that Rafael Dos Anjos deserves it. Uh, he's the number one guy. Uh, just beat Robbie Lawler in impressive fashion. Um, it was a dominant performance for him. I, I had yep. him winning... Four rounds to one. It could have been right. all five rounds. Um, it, it's rare that you see anyone go out there and do that to someone like Robbie Lawler. So I think he deserves a shot. And I agree with you, style matchup wise, I think in some ways Robbie's more dangerous than Tyron. But as far okay. as beating Tyron, that's going to be more difficult. I, I, I think number one, obviously, you talk about Tyron's wrestling defense. Um, he has the best wrestling defense, I think, in the UFC right uh, right now. Um, very difficult to take down. Um, he has the wrestling uh, that he can use himself, and he's got that dynamite, uh, dynamite of a right hand, um, which matches up very well against a southpaw. So Rafael has to be right. very careful um, of how he carries himself and how he carries his hands uh, as he moves uh, to attack Tyron Woodley. So, And Tyron's just a smart fighter, man. When it comes to fight night, mm-hmm. this guy really knows how to execute a good game plan. Right. No, it's like he basically predicted that he would
0: knock Robbie Lawler out very early, right? And he knew going into that second fight with Wonderboy that it wouldn't be nearly as entertaining as the first one, and he was probably going to have to win on points, right. you know? Yeah. I and, mean, he...
3: No, no doubt about it. And Tyron, you know, the whole time... <laughs> I love I love when I, I see a guy that uh, could potentially fight, you know, the guys that are fighting, just hearing what they have to say. And mm-hmm. uh, Tyron watching Robbie and and, uh, and Rafael, you know... Um, the whole time he's going, I'm going to beat these guys. They, they can't yeah. beat these guys. Yeah. Fight. These guys aren't fighting smart. I'm going I'm to beat these guys. Whoever wins this yeah. fight, I'm going to I'm going to smash these guys. And Tyron just still has that kind of chip on his shoulder, which you really need as a fighter. I think that's what drives him to be so good. That's what drives him to train so hard. Um, and uh, I, I'm really curious to see what happens in that fight. I think it's going to be a great one. So tell T Wood to get a makeup wipe and go find a doctor and get the shoulder fixed. Let's go. Right, it's happening. Like, it's happening no. Tuesday, I believe. Hey, He's getting his surgery yeah. Tuesday in South Florida. Okay, He's getting it done good. as quickly as possible. He's excited about that and um, you know wants to get right back to work. And of course, he fought four times
0: in a year. We know, you know, you know, we love you, T Wood. Yes, I came to Ferguson. Absolutely. Enough said. Yeah. All right, co-main event uh, in Winnipeg, Josh Emmett, a win over. Uh, Ricardo Lamas, huge knockout here, uh, four minutes and 33 seconds of round one. And a lot of layers to this one as well, Ken Flo. I mean, can we at least just start with weigh in day and Josh Emmett coming in at 148 and a half pounds didn't suffer up until the final bell at 11 o'clock in the morning, right? He weighed in, I think at 10 6 AM stopped his cut early, mm-hmm. took them a while to get Lamas to ultimately accept this fight. I think getting it up to 30% of Josh Emmett's purse, which is candidly, in a ton of money anyway, but I guess that was enough. Uh, and Lamas paid for it dearly here. And, uh, Again, I don't want to take too much away from the win for Josh Emmett. I don't know how you can say unequivocally that this should count as beating the number three guy in the world when you don't make the weight for the weight class. Um, Sensational knockout. Got a feel for Lamas here who at times Friday really didn't want to accept the fight. Now he has to accept this fate, which is being on the wrong end of a massive, massive
3: left these are the risks that fighters take you know when, when you decide to go against a guy who's you know a couple pounds over um it could come back to bite you on the ass and in this case unfortunately for ricardo Lamas, it did number yeah. one this was already a very difficult style matchup form I, I i did not like this matchup form because Emmett is very similar to ricardo Lamas. um he might not have the same ground game as Alamas from what I've seen. Uh, that might not be the case, but from what I've seen in his fights, um, probably didn't have the ground game of Ricardo Alamos. However, he hits harder than Ricardo Alamos. His hands are, are nasty, Ugh. man. This guy hits so hard. He's a guy who had power at 155 pounds. Of course he was going to carry that power down to 145 um, and the fact that he didn't make the weight, yes, absolutely agree with you. There's going to be parentheses, asterisk, whatever you want to call it, um, because he didn't make the weight. And I know that Emmett is a professional. He, he has a lot of pride, um, and he didn't feel good about that. Uh, he, you know, he, he didn't like the fact that he wasn't able to make weight. However, he did not make 146, 145. So um, unfortunate there, and, and uh, Lamas took that risk. Um, and you know what? When you're cutting weight, every single pound counts. You know, a lot of people are going, well, he made 147 or he made 148. Why couldn't he have just lost a pound? Why couldn't he have lost two pounds? Why couldn't he have lost half a pound? It's like running a marathon and going, hey, bud, great job running that marathon. Do you think he can run just a couple more miles down the road? (laughs) It's Just a couple miles. He just ran 26. Why can't he just run another two miles? That's how it is. Uh So when people are saying that, that's the feeling. You know, It's brutal.
2: Put so yourself glad. in a sauna.
3: Put yourself in a sauna. Don't drink for a couple days. Don't eat for a, a, right. a week. It's really, really difficult. So, anyways, uh, now that that's out, um, it I'm does so make a difference. I'm so glad
0: that you got that out there, right? <laughs> because there is this massive misconception yeah. that, like, just a pound. It's just a fight, you yeah. know? I mean, Lamas went to bed at, like, 149 pounds, right? Right, Like, yeah. in, in a disciplined manner. Now, I understand that Josh Emmett did not have a, a full training. Training camp, mm-hmm. but as UFC veteran Charlie Brennerman will say, and anyone I think like you will say, you sign the contract, you make the weight, you know. Yeah. Especially Kenny, again for someone like you that uh, that really did, you know, jeopardize maybe your future health in a lot
3: of respects to make sure that you honored that contract that you signed, And on fight night as well. Uh, again, a body, uh, a body is not the same if you're dehydrated, right? The body, the brain, all those things. I, I don't want to get into that. We all know about that, but um, you know, Lamas made the weight. Emmett did not. Um, all that aside, Emmett is going to be a big-time problem for anyone at 145 pounds. This kid can fight. He trains extremely hard. The guys at Team Alpha Male are, are extremely excited about Josh Emmett for good reason. He impressed me, man. We did his UFC debut. Remember, he he fought John Tuck on short right. notice. He made 55 on short notice. John Tuck is a tough fighter, a Brazilian jitsu, black belt, good striker, um, You know, big for the weight class, and Emmett went out there in, in an amazing performance, really good footwork. And on top of that, had a compound fracture heading into the third round. His finger Crazy. is going the opposite direction. The bone is sticking out. Um, and he was able to survive and fight smart enough to avoid it and, and not let Tuck know. And, um, you know, I, I was just really impressed with his composure and his ability to stay calm and, and, and find a way to win that fight despite that yep. nasty, nasty injury. Uh, so, yeah, I, I knew he was going to be a really tough matchup uh, for someone like Lamas. So maybe maybe Emmett's a guy who... Uh, and he had nothing to lose. Get- nothing to lose in Yeah, enough. well, right. No, yeah.
0: absolutely. And, and and maybe Emmett can really be a guy, one of these next guys for Team Alpha Male. You certainly know Uriah Faber feels like he's got a future yeah. champion in Josh Emmett. I don't know how exactly they spin this thing forward. Emmett was graceful. You know, he was, he was graceful about it. Uh, you know, I didn't even bring up the weight in the post-fight interview because he did. And he was grateful that Ricardo Lamas took the fight. He has offered Ricardo Lamas a rematch, which certainly Lamas deserves. But... The question beckons if you're Ricardo Lamas, you're supposed to get your rematch here with Jose Aldo. Instead, the circumstances result in nobody in the top 15 wanting to fight you. So you fight Josh Emmett. You lose in dramatic fashion after he misses weight. Um, Do you want this matchup again, right? Like if you're Ricardo Lamas, do you take this rematch to try to sort of right the wrong? Or do you just try to move on uh, against uh, a different fighter in and around that top eight? That's
3: a good question. I, I think in, in some ways you kind of need a rematch. Um, right, right. To, yeah, to kind of write that wrong or at least say, hey, listen, was this a bad style matchup? I don't like the matchup form, period. Right, I, I so. just don't like the matchup form. So I guess if I'm his coach, I say, Ricardo, you know what? Let's just get better. Take some time away. No sparring for a while. Um, let's clean up the boxing. Let's clean up, you know, where, let's see where you went wrong. Um, and, and go from there, uh, maybe just move on. But he was the number three guy taking on an unranked Josh Emmett, um, there was a lot to lose uh, there, a lot, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I'm sure, um, yeah. and I, I think for, for Emmett, it was just it was a brilliant knockout, man. It, it not only did does he have power, but it was smart the way he was throwing the right hand. He finished with that left hook, and what the left hook does is not only is it a good way to land on your opponent um, after a combination, but it sets your feet uh, uh, again. It puts you back on balance so you can throw again. So yeah. uh, Emmett is very well trained, uh, smart fighter with uh, brutal power. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing him in, in some bigger fights uh, in the future.
0: I don't need a ton on this, but how much do you think it helps to have had Chad Mendez and Danny Castillo as your right-hand men and primary training partners who both had wins over Ricardo Lamas? Granted, Castillo's was in 2009, but, you know, Mendez fought. Lamas in a main event in 2015, and I think knocked him out pretty quickly that night, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, how helpful really
3: is that? It's a great question, and it absolutely is helpful because um, every time you're watching a fight and you have you know smart guys like you know the coaches at Team Alpha Male, it's research, right? And the more research you have on your fighter, and anytime you can recognize patterns and and recognize these patterns repeatedly uh, in a fighter you find a way to uh, to beat them. Sim- simple as that. And um, obviously having uh, all these preparations for Ricardo Lamas um, for camp after camp and having these guys that have fought him and dealt with him, um, it- it's it's going to be that much more helpful. These guys know how to do it. They're going to pass on that intel uh, to guys like Josh Emmett, who are also-, also similar fighters to wrestlers Danny Castillo and Chad yep. Mendez. So, yeah. Um, and Emmett did have opportunities to, to go to other
0: major promotions, but he was waiting for the UFC. He has probably mimicked Ricardo Lamas, right? He's been the primary training partner for a lot of these guys for championship yes. fights in the UFC. So uh, we'll see how far Josh Emmett can take this thing, and we'll see if Ricardo Lamas is interested in a rematch that uh, certainly deserves if uh, if he wants it. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio keeping it going. Ken Flo, six wins at 170 wow. pounds. Went over platinum Mike Perry. uh I just cannot get enough of platinum Mike Perry. I I, I can't. I mean, I just, from every social media post, uh, I just am very drawn to him as just a fight fan. And, uh, I thought he had some moments in this fight, but Ponzanibio, at least right now, I think just a little bit too elite for someone like Platinum Mike Perry. We did hear that Mike Perry was sick yeah. during fight week. You're not going to hear that out of his yeah. mouth, and he is going in the opposite direction in terms of making excuses. But uh, Ponzanibio had to battle some adversity with the cuts and everything else and had sure. to battle a real tough, powerful fighter, but... The Ponzi scheme, baby. This guy's the real deal in my
3: mind. (laughs) Absolutely. Every time I hear Santiago Ponzanibio's name, I always want to say Santiago Papa Giorgio. But, anyways, uh, yeah, Ponzanibio was was very impressive. And he was the more skillful guy heading into this. I just thought because he has a tendency of brawling with his opponents, I thought that was going to favor someone like Mike Perry, who has insane power. And Ponzanibio's got a hell of a right hand. But. Uh, Mike Perry just wasn't putting together the combinations he needed to really put Ponsonibio away. And Pontinibio, uh has come back from the dead a few times. If you've ever seen uh, the Ultimate Fighter Brazil season that he was on, um, yeah. he did it time and time again. He's done it in the UFC as well. He, he'll he get hurt and almost like it wakes him up and he comes back to life out of nowhere. There's that spinning back fist uh, from Ponsonibio that he landed that dropped Mike Perry. Potseniba is just gritty, man. And when you hear about his life, um, of how he was able to survive in Brazil, leaving Argentina for a country he had no idea about, didn't speak mm-hmm. the language at the time. He's like selling stuff on the beach. He was homeless in, in Brazil, sleeping on the mats at, at one point. Um, you know, and, and obviously with the Brazil soccer rivalry uh, with Argentina, they did not like him. They, they tried to put it on him every single day in practice. A guy who can survive all of that, is going to be effing tough. And that guy is is Ponsonibbio, and he's improved his footwork to be able to get in and get out, and that was the difference here against Perry. He knew when to land and when to get the hell out of the way uh, when Perry was coming. So um, I thought it was a smart performance for him, mixing in those takedowns when he needed. And in that third round, when he hit that takedown, um, it just sucked the life out of Mike Perry. It took the it took the wind out of his sails uh and, and Perry just had nothing left, man. Um I, and again, maybe it had something to do with him being sick or whatever, but um the again, these are the risks you take as a fighter. We we all take them. Sometimes you're not feeling 100%, sometimes you have an injury, sometimes you have a staph infection. Sometimes you have all these things right. and, and and you just you want to take that risk. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah, Ken Flo was sick for the Gray Maynard fight by the way. Breaking news here. No, I'm just <laughs> He really didn't feel great, though. I'm just telling you guys Uh, he didn't feel that good. I fought
3: with three broken arms in that fight. I just (laughs) let everybody know.
0: Yep, he did. He had a spiral fracture
3: of his femur for the Gray Maynard
0: fight. And still fucking fought, ladies and gentlemen. My back. I broke my back. Um, I don't want to pull up the internet because I don't want to mess with the connection, and and we are working on any audio issues that anyone might be having, rest assured, uh, as we continue our transition to Fox Sports. Um, But in terms of the welterweight rankings, I'm not going to pull them up right now. You know, I think Wonderboy's out there. Uh obviously Oof. Jorge Masvidal wants to take some time off. I uh, but you know, I mean to me, I, you, you want to do Ponzinibbio and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know, I would uh I would I would pay to watch that fight. Right? I mean, who do you <laughs> who insane. do you think's next for Santiago? I mean, it's not going to be a title shot, but uh he's getting awfully close. Bro, you
3: killing it with the matchmaking. I like that fight. Okay. That's right. a sick that's a sick fight. For me, if I'm a welterweight, no one wants to fight Wonderboy. Like, stay away from Wonderboy. The only guy right. who should be fighting Wonderboy is maybe Tyron Woodley, and and that's it. And obviously, you know, we know about their history. Wonderboy might get that third shot, even though he, he lost those first two. I, I think Wonderboy's striking is just, it's at a completely different level, man. It, it's, it's amazing what he's done in that division. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think that's a hell of a fight. That, that is a hell of a fight, man. Ponsonibbio and, and Wonderboy, sign me up.
0: And I remember being on a treadmill next to Platt Mike Perry several years ago, I think, in Mexico. And uh, he was actually a little chubby at that time. You know, we're both chubby. The two of us running on those treadmills, can't Flo. And uh, he he was like, I'm going to be world champion. Laugh now, you know, yeah. looking at me. I'm like, okay, dude, I dude, didn't say you weren't going to be. I'm just Jeffries, running. Dude. I'm just trying to get a <laughs> workout, bro. Just cutting weighted altitude uh, just man. like you. Pe- Perry. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm telling ahead. you, though, Kenny, like this is a sneaky lifelong martial arts guy, right? Who loves boxing and, and was very good on the street and now is taking it seriously. And I know he was disappointed in his cardio. We heard rumblings that he wasn't a hundred percent healthy in terms of his immune system or whatever else. Um, but I really feel like the ceiling's pretty high for this guy. He feels like he has very good jiu-jitsu and good wrestling. And mm. you know maybe down the line, if he were to fight someone like Ponzinibbio, he'd have so many different tools in his arsenal that he wouldn't necessarily exclusively stand and bang. I think he did take Santiago down at one point in time. Mm. But I do think as he continues to develop that Mike Perry can be a top-ten fighter and eventually somebody that, uh, that challenges the elite of this division. Uh, am I alone?
3: No, no. Listen, I, I think the way that he moves, uh, the talent that he possesses, the physical abilities, um, yeah, this is a guy who really could be uh, elite. Uh, I just think that maybe he needs a little bit better training. I don't know who he's training with. Is he at ATT Orlando? Is that is that where he's at? I believe at times, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, you know, he should he should maybe go out to uh, American Top Team and, and is it Coconut Creek? Is that where they? are It at? is. Okay. Yes, yeah, yep. so in Coconut Creek. Um, and, and train with those guys, just getting a little bit more uh, experience dealing with um, some of the elite fighters over there. Um, I, I know it's tricky, obviously, with Ponsonibio and all the guys over there in, the, in that right. division. But, um, yeah, just get, getting some more skills, getting some more experience. This is a guy still pretty early on in his career, and uh, I think Mike Perry has um, he has the right approach, and and I agree. I think that this is a guy who, you know, Character aside, don't get fooled by it. This is a guy who really loves what he does. He does work very hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he does want to be a, a high-level martial artist and learn everything there is to know about this game. Um, he just needs to continue on that path. And, and I, I, I really appreciate his mental attitude, what he was tweeting after the fight. Um, right, and uh, I think this next is a guy who could be something.
0: You know?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that uh, you know he could also if if it doesn't turn out where he doesn't become a champion, just just have a reality show, just have some cameras follow him around. He, he oh, I think he's the head entertainer. He should be. I agree. There should be the Mike
0: Perry show. I'm gonna get him on that desk next to you. That's what I'm gonna do, right? Because <laughs> we got to do what we got to do while he's fighting. The other thing too that's interesting yeah. about about Mike Perry. Um, and, and, and in terms of the American top team stuff, by the way, at coconut Creek, you know, he called out Robbie Lawler after his last win. Right. So mm. I don't know that. And again, that it, it, South Florida, right. It's two and a half hours away. Yeah. So I don't know how realistic it would be. And, but you're right. There are a lot of welterweight bodies down here. Ponzinibbio who he's now fought. Chris Jockos down here. Of course, Lawler training at a different gym now. Um, but there, there are welterweight bodies in South Florida. Tyron Woodley technically is AT. He is a, he has an
3: ATT affiliate.
0: Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. yeah. But uh, the interesting thing uh, on Platinum Mike Perry is that he also wants to be a guy who steps up on short notice at 185 yes. pounds for the UFC because wow. he does keep himself in shape and he is a fighter's fighter and he's never been knocked out. So in theory, he's ready to take those fights. But He was fighting a top 10 guy here, so he doesn't want to table his welterweight championship aspirations Mm -hmm. to take a short notice fight at 85. But now coming off a loss, all I'm saying is I would not be at all surprised to see Platinum Mike Perry step in and take a short notice fight at middleweight between now and, and Groundhog Day. Don't hold me to it. All right, yeah. completing the uh, the main card in Winnipeg, and James Krause scheduled to join us here in about 10 minutes uh, to talk about his fight coming up January 14th, and obviously Tim Elliott's fight going by the boards, and, and of course the late Robert Follis and everything else. But Glover Teixeira here hands Misha Serkunov Kenny his second consecutive first-round loss, and It's crazy where Serkunov is right now relative to where he was. Started out in the UFC 4-0 with four finishes. Looked like he was going to be a guy who was going to work his way up a shallow ladder to challenge someone like Daniel Cormier or John Jones. And now back-to-back first-round setbacks – this one stings in particular for Misha Serkunov I would think, because he w- he seemed to be in such a, a good, renewed place going in and, and seemed to have closed that Uzdemir chapter. And uh, Glover Teixeira survived some early combinations and, and proves that at 38 years old, man, he is still very much a factor.
3: Well, that's the thing, man. It, you know, Serkinov was outstriking Glover easily. Easily. And that was one thing. I'm not sure a lot of people saw that coming. Sirkinov certainly had the potential to do that. But the way he was putting together and putting it on Glover, Glover just looked you know, Glover's not the fastest guy in the world, never has been, but he looked particularly slow um, on Saturday Uh, night, which I was concerned with. Yeah, and, you know, Sirkinov just looked very sharp, and he made one mistake. He gave up those double unders uh, to Glover Teixeira, hit a beautiful body lock takedown, went from switching it from the left side to the right side, and Sirkinov He made the mistake of turning to his knees. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Doing that in the open mat, you cannot turn to your knees. You're going to get your back taken. Um, You know, just not a good decision there. Um, Beautiful stuff on the ground there from Glover Teixeira, who was all over him. Once he flattened out his hips, man, Glover with those heavy strikes on the ground, uh... Misha wasn't going anywhere. Misha wasn't going anywhere, and that must have stung, man. That that must have been a hard way to lose that fight, especially given that, you know, there was a lot on the line. He was winning it. Uh, yeah. And that one mistake, I, again, I don't know if that's a, a mental error. I don't know if that's something he, you know, maybe he was getting away with in training. But uh, uh, unfortunate there for, for Misha Serkanov, who I didn't pick to win the fight, but. Um, you know, he was winning that five. Just one mistake, that was the difference. He, he easily could have won that. He He's better on the ground than what he showed.
0: Yeah, Serkunov was favored to win that fight. So, a big two points for you in the main event challenge with Glover Teixeira. That's actually probably going to be the fight that seals it for you. Um, but you're right. I did think that, that Teixeira maybe finally showed his age at yeah. least a little bit physically, despite getting a, an emphatic win here. And yeah. and for Misha Serkunov, uh, this is going to be interesting to see how he responds because when I spoke to him Tuesday, he could not have possibly sounded better. And he sort of is finally really getting comfortable with what it takes to sort of be at the elite levels of the UFC in, in terms of mastering the routine over 365 days a year. He felt like early on, you know, getting to the UFC and, and establishing yourself in the top 10 are totally different animals. And I think he finally came to peace as to what that process was going to entail, and now I think he's got to be lacking some confidence. I would think a little bit after after what happened here against Glover Teixeira, big win for Glover, came right over to the broadcast table and and wants to fight Daniel Cormier. Now he is Kenny, one of the bigger names in this light heavyweight division, probably the biggest name that hasn't had a crack yeah. at Daniel Cormier with respect to uh, I guess Dovin St. Preux. So. Do you think, I mean, that is a reasonable thing for Glover Teixeira if DC gets through Vulcan Uzdemir, that that would be the next fight, you know, maybe next summer that that Cormier or even Uzdemir would would fight Teixeira because he came in number three in the world, dispatched the number seven guy in, in a few minutes?
3: You know, I don't know if, if Glover necessarily deserves it. I love Glover. He's one of the nicest guys in the sport, period. Mm-hmm. And um, I would love to see him get that crack at, at DC. However, you know, um, he's coming off a loss, right? And he's coming off a knockout loss to Alexander Gufvistin. Uh Manoa is coming off a loss uh, to Uzdemir. So, I, I, you know, I know Manoa called him out. I think that's a fight that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And, and you never know with D.C. D.C. could go out there and, and beat Uzdemir and then just retire. So, who, who knows? You know, I, I don't know how many – I, I haven't spoken to sure. D.C. about right. anything right. like that. But, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know. So then that could kind of mix things up again. But um, it's not like, you know, Glover's on a three-fight win streak right now. Yeah. You know what I right. mean? He, he won sure. one, he lost one. Sure. So uh, I, I still think it kind of makes sense for Manoa. Now, as far as a matchup, I favor that matchup for Manoa just based on mm-hmm. the speed and, and the power that he possesses, man. Uh, right. Manoa can crack, boy. And uh, right. Glover has gotten slower. Um, and A lot of MMA miles, man. I
0: mean, this fight does, with Cirkunov was supposed to happen October 28th, they had hand surgery, you know, so. And
3: and being Chuck Liddell's sparring partner for like seven, eight years, maybe longer. Yeah, I mean. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it all adds up. Got to yeah. love Glover, though. Oh, you know, he's the man, putting, dude. Putting, he's putting a stud. Put Danbury,
0: Connecticut on the map, too. He's a too. stud, yeah. Uh, all right, a couple other highlights from uh, from this show over the weekend. You know, I think pretty highly of, of Jan Blahovic and Jared Cannonier. Blahovic riding that jab to beat the killer gorilla over the weekend, and and I think that's a win that's certainly a, a feather in the cap of Blahovic, who I thought showed his experience. How about this Julian Marquez cat, huh? Oof. Submission win over Darren the Dentist Stewart. I mean, this Marquez can can take a shot. He he stole the show during fight week. Uh, definitely a, a dynamicism to this guy, and somebody who uh, who I think people are going to be tuning into when when he when he gets back in there for his second UFC appearance. Did they bonus Marquez? Yeah, I think they did as well. So, I mean, what you think it.
3: of uh, what you think of the Cuban Missile Crisis, kid? Dude, I mean, listen, Marquez, we get it. You're tough. You're tough. You have an anvil uh-huh. under that beautiful beard, my friend. You don't need to show it every single time, though. Um, and, and this is a guy who I think has a, a lot more skills than what he showed. I, I think he he kind of got himself involved in a brawl unnecessarily uh, against Stewart. Now Stewart is tough, man. But uh, you know Marquez, I, I think there's no doubt. I mean, one of the most entertaining fights uh, of the year uh, in a lot of ways. But um, I, I think he took. Uh, The hardest path to victory in a lot of ways. Instead of climbing over the wall, he just tried to bowl himself right through it. Um, But uh, I love the finish. This guy has heart for days. He moves really well. Uh, This guy's very strong for the weight class. I saw him last time I was at the um, UFC Performance Institute. He was in there working his ass off. And I just love his attitude. Just a friendly guy, a funny guy. Um, And how about him walking out in his UFC debut dancing? I mean, oh, uh, this yeah. is a guy who's only going to get better, um, just needs to continue working hard. And, and uh, I, I think toughness and, and work ethic, all that stuff, he could be something. Uh, he could be something in that division. I, I just think yeah. he, he just needs to um, employ better tactics uh, during his fight. But, yeah. uh, geez, man, I, I love that fight. It was, it, it was a fun fight. It was a movie-style fight, man. Yeah, and he is just getting going, right? I think turned pro yeah. in 2014. Still early so a lot in his of,
0: career. A lot of room for improvement there. Yes. It, it is funny. You mentioned him dancing on his way to the octagon. Super awkward to see Darren Stewart. Yeah. I don't know if you guys on your feed saw. So he starts dancing, right? Okay. Because yeah. he, like, he starts dancing in the octagon because he didn't know what to do. And it was just like, bro, just be you, man. Yeah. You know? You, you um, know what I was doing at my
3: UFC debut? I was oh, you're not, pe- dancing. Pee- uh, yeah, Pee- not dancing. Peeing my jeans. Peeing my jeans all the way out. They just yeah frightened. Yeah, yeah probably not pooped dancing. my jeans too. Yeah, that's the dancing. most
0: white white eyed I've ever seen you in your yeah. life. making now no you weren't. No you. <laughs> oh, too bad for the listener. <laughs> too bad for the listeners only. You couldn't see the look on fight. his face there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chad Laprise. Winner after getting knocked down over Galore Bofando. Gotta feel good for Nordin Taleb, your former teammate. Yeah. Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts Oof. is no joke. And on paper now for Nordine's IP six and two in the UFC, when he has won fights, I always am left with the impression that man, when this guy's on and popping, uh, he can be something. I I
3: agree, man. Uh, Nordine's a guy who always used to give problems to anyone he sparred with, whether it was GSP, Rory McDonald. This guy's a beast in the gym. He was a beast in the gym. And I always said, you know, I can't wait to see this guy in his UFC debut. He absolutely deserves it. And once he got there, I didn't see the same Nordine in training that I saw uh, in the octagon. That's not the case anymore. I think he's comfortable now with himself, with his game, with his style, fighting in the octagon. Uh, Those UFC jitters are long gone. Um, and he 's showing us uh all what what i 've been seeing for years at tristar uh This guy is an absolute savage uh w- what a brutal knockout dude that kick that caught him off guard and went right up and, uh, over the guard um of roberts and landed clean on the chin and then to follow up with that right hand that just went right through him man yeah he's he 's an absolute savage
0: um also a guy you know pretty well John MacDesy with a big win over the weekend yes. and he's pretty clean clean efficient striker when he's on mm-hmm. he's he's as hard to hit statistically as anyone and, and finds his range pretty easily um but for Abel true Trujillo man I don't know if it's that he needs some meat right he went vegan like 2 years right. ago plant based yeah. diet but I remember a couple fights ago Henry Hoof was like where's the violent abel in his corner in his face like where's the violent abel and um for whatever reason, it wasn't the violent Trujillo over the weekend. I don't want to take anything away from Mac Desi. But uh, good win for uh, for John. But joining us on the guest line right now, uh, another guy who, of course, was hit particularly hard uh, with the news that Robert Follis had passed away. UFC lightweight contender James Krause is with us. James, uh, thank you for making the time, man. I know it's been an emotional week for you. As I understand it, Robert was actually supposed to be with you uh, in Tim Elliott's corner a couple of days ago in Winnipeg.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. was. It was a weird, weird deal, you know. He was supposed to come to us, I think, Thursday, day night. You know, Robert was always good about getting back to people immediately, and I didn't right. hear from him, so I wrote him on. Uh, I was in Canada, so I was out of the country. My phone was weird, so I wrote him on Instagram because I had Wi Fi. Didn't get a, didn't get anything back there, and it didn't even send through. So I wrote him on Facebook. I think it was, uh, it wasn't even, you know, wasn't even going through, and he wasn't answering, so. I kind of had a, I knew something was wrong because you know he you knew, you know, follow us at all. He was, he just right. wasn't, he wasn't a flaky person, you know. So, kind of knew something was up, and then you know we got the, we got the news, and it was just a, you know, a, a bad deal. We knew something was wrong. We just, we weren't, we weren't quite sure about it. And, uh so it really fortunate, you know. I know he's had a big impact. The little amount of time that I have spent with him, he know, had, had an impact on me as well. You know, I was on the show right. with him. He was one of my, one of my coaches on the show, so. Uh man, I, you know, I just don't even, I really at a lost the words. I'm Yeah. I'm upset. I'm, you know, I'm heartbroken. I'm uh, uh there's just so many emotions going through and there's just so many questions that you want to ask but you know that there's just never going to be any answers to them cuz the only person that can answer them is gone. Mm-hmm
0: man well you put it well and and again we appreciate you uh, even being willing to come on and talk with us today and of course yourself you're in the middle of training camp for a fight that we're going to get to in a little bit but for Tim to not have Robert there and to not know exactly where he was as you guys are are making a weight cut and getting ready for a prize fight I mean how how much was that on Tim's mind as he was cutting weight and trying to focus on the task at
2: hand well Tim's I mean, you've talked to Tim a little bit, I'm sure. He's pretty easy yeah. to come though. There's not a lot of stuff that uh, rattles him. Yeah. And you know, in terms of like the, the coaching aspect, he wasn't really worried about it. You know, I've coached him through his entire UFC career. I've been in every one of his fights. So uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that uh you know, Tim's a veteran and he knows he knows right, what right. he's gotta do, he's gotta stay focused, but we both knew something was wrong, you know, because and this is this is I hate to even explain it like that, but Tim and I we were having this discussion before we found out, you know, man, what's the worst, you know, what's the worst possible thing, like, if, if this if this was me, and then I was fighting Tim, and I said, you know, what's the worst thing? Like, okay, maybe my, my daughter and my wife, you know, passed away in a car wreck or something. You know, my whole family died right. in a car wreck. I was like, man, I would still, I would let you know, you know, because if you, when you spend a coach-fighter right, fighter, that you're married to that person for six to eight to 12 weeks you know what i mean you marry that person and for him to to not contact us you know we knew we knew something was wrong so uh we i think we both kind of knew there was something seriously wrong we just really didn't uh we tried just to stay focused on the, at the task at hand and hope everything worked out at the end but obviously that wasn't the case
3: Hey James, this is Kenny. Man, first of all, I just want to say sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry that you guys have to deal with this this terrible news, um, and especially as you know, the circumstances with Tim and, and you, and it just it, it's it's crazy. And, and I'm so sorry. Um, what was it like though to train with Robert? This is a guy who you know anyone who worked with him, anyone who talked to him, um, always said the most amazing things. What was Robert like as a, as an individual and as a coach?
2: Well, I think it's important to separate separate people uh, from an indi- individual perspective and from a coaching perspective, uh, and obviously they tie in together because I think I think that's what makes a great coach is a is a friend, is a mentor, is somebody that you can have you know uh, conversations with about about things that you normally couldn't talk to other people about. But as a person, you know, Robert was was he was just an amazing, amazing individual. You know, he always, uh, he was a coach's coach. You know, he's a guy that, that 20, 20 year vets can call up and ask for advice and he would have an answer just because he's been through the, he's been through the ringer. You know, he's, he's been through it all. He's seen it all. He's been here since pretty much the inception of MMA almost, you know? And, uh, he's seen just about everything come through. Uh, he's got a wealth of experience in, in grappling. He always has, uh, he always has answers uh, for anything outside of fighting as well. But for, as a coaching perspective, he had a pretty, pretty awesome, uh, unique outlook on, on fighting as well. You know, he had a very, a very good mental approach to the game. Um, his grappling was, in, in my opinion, he's one of the very few and only uh, MMA grappling coaches. You know, there's jujitsu coaches. Uh, but I, I feel like there's not very many, uh, you know, this is not striking, this is not wrestling and, and this is not jujitsu, this is MMA right. and I feel like Follis was one of the very few people that adapted that style, you know? Uh, so uh, he's just, really, he's just an incredible, incredible human being. And, uh, he brought so much, so much knowledge to the table. And like I said, he was just a guy where if you just weren't sure what to do, he was the guy you called, you know, he, he had the answers. And uh, if he didn't have the answers, he was the guy that was find the answer for you, and and or at least talking through it. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. figured it out together. He's just, uh, you know, like I said, he's. The, I think the best way to describe Robert Paulus is you know, amazing individual. And he was he was not a coach; he was a coach's coach.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's how he's going to be remembered, man. And you know, as we switch gears, I know you're getting ready uh, for your fight uh, again against Alex White. You're going back down to 155 pounds. Um, I, I saw you relatively recently. Um, you know, are you getting down close to, to 155 now? I, I know that's uh, not the easiest uh, of cuts for you, but I know you're going to do it and do it well. Um, how has camp been?
2: Uh, camp has been amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Um, I'm, I, I think over the last year, I've done a lot of changes to my game. And in my fight with uh, Tom. You know, in, in July, I really wasn't able to showcase the changes made in my game because the, the the changes have mainly been in, in wrestling and grappling. And that and that matchup for me was just kind of stupid for me to, to take him down because I think the, the striking department is such a big gap. You know, I wanted to keep the fight staying the whole time. But, I, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to show uh, my improvements. And I think being in the game for 11 years, this will be my 55th fight uh, amateur and pro. Wow. Uh, i'm really excited to show people that i'm still improving and I, and, and and i am you know and it's've i've made a lot of changes a lot of like major changes to my game not not just my new you know little tweaks i've i've revamped my entire game and uh i'm very very excited to to show show people and it's an MMA style it's not wrestling it's not grappling it's 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 it's, it's everything you know i'm striking into takedowns into you know, positions and, and I, I really feel good i feel like i'm the best i've ever been my weight by far is the lowest i've been in years since i can start since i can remember starting to fight like my weight's as low as it's ever been It's awesome and yeah. uh, 55 shouldn't be a problem for me it's usually a really difficult cut i usually start i mean i've been upwards to 200 pounds you know it's not healthy but i'm usually a lean 185 right but you have i'm seen- lighter than that now
0: UFC Lightweight James Krause with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So I know you've got a lot of business endeavors with the gyms and everything else going on in Missouri. So how difficult was it for you to sort of step away and maybe heed some control back home and, and go on the ultimate fighter? I mean, was that a, a hard decision for you to ultimately go through with that or a no brainer for you?
2: You know, I get asked that a lot, like why I went on the show in terms of the businesses. I really try to set up, uh, and it's taken me a long time to get here. This didn't happen overnight, but I, my businesses are to the point where you know, I have other people running them. I, I'm not, I can work as much or as little as I want in yeah. the gyms. I love being there. I love coaching and I love, I love uh competing in business as well. So for me, you know, when people ask me like, why do you, feel it? it's because I love it. You know what? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. why do you, why do you train when you don't have a fight? Well, I love the sport. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, to me, it's not work. I love, I enjoy going in and. And competing in business and, and uh, getting better in other aspects other than fighting. I think I'm just a c- competitive person and I want to master my craft and whatever I decide to do. So uh, in terms of the businesses, they kind of all run themselves. You know, we have everything systemized to where, you know, other people are doing jobs without me. I can insert myself as much or as little as I want. But in terms of the show, I think there's multiple ways to win the show. You know, uh, and I've, I've talked about this before. You know, Obviously, there's the competition which Jesse Taylor won. But in terms of, like, you ask anybody, I feel like if you did a poll, an online poll, said who who won the show? Who got the most from the show? I think it's right. hands down me. I don't think there's anybody yeah. even close. I think that's so, fair. you know, obviously Jesse won the competition, but I won the show. Yeah. All right, so real quick. So your first four
0: pro fights were in Missouri, nine of your pro fights overall in the Show Me State, uh, the last of which came against Toby Imada back in 2013. I know you weren't able to fight in Kansas City in April. But any any added meaning for you competing here in St. Louis? Alex White's a Missouri native, too. I wonder who's going to have the crowd. But anything extra special for you about January 14th, being that it's in Missouri?
2: Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I, that was my last fight was in Missouri for RFA uh, before I got to the UFC. It was in Missouri. But I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pioneer for Kansas City. And I mean, this is not like California yeah. or Florida where there's a dime a dozen. We're talking about, like, look, man, we don't have... Right. We don't have very many, you know what I mean? Like this is, uh, I'm, I'm one of the first guys, I'm one of the first people to do it. You know, there's, there's other people, so I want to, I mean, this is huge. You know, I want to be, when people talk about Kansas City in the name, you know, I want to be bigger than Kansas City in the name, obviously, but when right. people talk about Kansas City in the name I want to be the guy. You know, hey, James did this. He, he was the one that set the path for us. That's my goal. I want that. And uh, so for me to, to pick up a win against another Missouri guy, uh, right, right, that's, it's huge for me. It's huge for me, and, and I've always I've always fought for the title. Like, look, I'm the not, I'm not the best lightweight or welterweight in Missouri. I'm the best fighter to ever come out of Missouri, and you know from Missouri. I'm the right. best fighter to ever come out of this state. That's the title that I want to hold. And uh, I know there's uh you know there's there's people that that have you know obviously Woodley's from here, but Woodley you know Woodley goes and does his, his stuff elsewhere. Man, I'm I'm based here. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm this right. is, Missouri is mine. You know what I mean, like. I, I just even recently over the last two times, when I go away for camps, I go away for like a couple of weeks at a time. The majority of my training is done in Missouri. And uh, you know, in terms of who's going to have the bigger crowd out, uh, Alex White's from St. Louis, but there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to have a bigger and better crowd
0: Doesn't surprise me. I love the conviction, man. I know how much you have to prove. It is Alex White against that man. James Krause, January 14th. Uh, You can see it on FS1. Real quickly, before I let you go. So Tim's opponent, Pietro Manga, this past weekend failed to even make it to the scale. So, of course, the fight didn't happen. Tim's campaigning to get on this UFC 219 card, which is 12 days away But because he doesn't want to lose the training camp. I know you're his right-hand man. I mean, I, it can't benefit you any to have to, to go to Vegas and do another fight week with him. I mean, how, how do you navigate this
2: whole dynamic if he actually gets that fight he's looking for? Well, I'm going to let you guys in. It's your, it's your lucky day. It's your lucky day, John. Uh, we actually just accepted a fight uh, on wow. the 30th for Tim. And uh, I'm just going to bring my coaches out to Vegas, and uh, I will continue my training camp. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to bring a crew out there to work with not wow. just myself, but work with Zach. And then, uh, you know, obviously we'll make sure Tim's taking care of as well. but, uh, yeah, we just accepted a fight. So we'll be on that call.
0: And, of course, you'll be there, and you wouldn't have it any other way. James Krause, you can see him fight January 14th. It's a Sunday show on FS1 with the Missouri masses behind him. James, thanks for the time today, man. Our condolences to you, and certainly if you could pass them along to Tim, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Wish you all the best January 14th, man. And, of course, moving forward, we'll be watching, all right? All right, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, there is James Krause with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And, you know, when I was growing up in radio, they said, you know, they would teach you like a kicker right at the end of your interview. You'd have a question. And I never liked the kicker. You know, I mean, we've done like rapid fire questions on the way out, but I never liked having a kicker. But I figured time permitting, I would ask him about that Pietro Menga fight flow. Yeah. And uh, obviously that didn't happen. So they're getting a fight. So uh, probably not ideal for James. You see, he's grabbing the bull by the horns, but probably not ideal for him to have to, you know, deal with travel reservations and everything else and, and put uh, a Vegas base camp together for a week. He will have a little bit of time when he gets back to uh, Missouri, but Hey, Tim Elliott getting a fight and I think that's good for him. I think he deserves it. And especially given all the circumstances, Kenny, that's going to be a, an emotional walk for, for not just James in in January, but man, Tim Elliott making that walk without Robert Fallis in Vegas, no less 12 days from now. Pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, man, no, no doubt about that. Uh, that's got to be tough. You know, Tim, at the end of the day, though, he, he's a fighter. He's put in a tremendous amount of work. Um, I know he's been talking about uh, wanting a fight um, uh, on Twitter uh, and, and the fact that he got one, and he got one on this quick of a turnaround. Uh, yeah. It, it is great news. I'm happy for him. And, and I think in a lot of ways he probably also wants to kind of, um, you know, in some ways – put this away from him so he can kind of deal with the loss I I don't know if he's actually dealing with the loss necessarily right now I think he wants to just go out and fight so then he can kind of really take in what just happened uh, which is just an awful thing and and I'm sure he'll be dealing with that that for a long long time Um, you know him and Robert were very close I know he moved out to Vegas to to exclusively train with him uh, for a long time so um, just a very tough tough situation yeah, Elliot said he's having a hard time
0: sleeping. He's just hell-bent on getting yeah. the fight, and, and you heard it here. Potentially first from James Krause, Tim Elliott getting a fight uh, at UFC 219. All right, let's get to Ray Longo.
2: It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute.
1: I'm going to punch a hole in his fucking chest. That's what I want.
2: The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray
0: Longo. The
2: John Annick and Kenny Florian Podcast.
0: All right, with us on the guest line for his weekly Ray Longo Minute, of course, is the great Ray Longo, and and sort of a somber tone to the show today, Ray, in a lot of respects. I saw the picture that you posted uh, of Robert Fallis and Chris Lieben and, and Matt Serra. Uh, just a profound loss here for all of us in this very close MMA community, and and a stunner that that the man, Robert Fallis is no longer with us, man.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, it, uh Stinks and you know, Rob was a really nice guy. And I, that, the, even when I posted the picture, I mean, I really did want to send that to him. And I, you know, I kind of put it up to almost symbolize hey, if you got something to say to somebody or you want to tell somebody how much you love them, like do it now because that- who would have ever thought this was going to happen? And you know, I don't think he ever, he probably would never remember that picture in a million years. I mean, it had to be. I think it was when Matt Ford carol parisian we were in atlantic city and i'm gonna say probably the first time i met him and you know he brought a couple of guys to the ring of combat show show at, at times and he was always a gentleman and it was always good catching up with the guy and well, yeah crazy man i mean like uh i don't know i mean you know it's 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 funny how you know people sometimes present themselves in a, in a in a nice way but you never know what's going on you know, inside of a lot of people, and, you know, I, I kind of said that last week, like, with Aljo's loss, and people, are you okay? And my, Yeah, I'm definitely okay, and, you know, I feel bad for the people that win, and they're not happy, or, you know, like, right. or you think they're doing good, and they're not happy, that, that's got to suck, man, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if there's mm-hmm. a reason to be unhappy, at least there's a reason, but when things are going good, and you're not feeling it inside, that's got to be really tough to deal with, man, and you know, whatever. Man, he was a you know good dude. Like again, I always like catching up with him. Uh, and yeah, what a what a what a tragedy, man. Nothing else I could say, really. Just yeah. Sucked.
0: But I you know, when know. people say go go hug your friends, right, or go tell someone you love them. You know, how, how often do people actually turn that into action? So hopefully your point doesn't fall on deaf ears. And, Ray, I was joking with Kenny earlier, right? Like I finished in a QA and a in Winnipeg this weekend. I had a few minutes before the weigh-in. So I was saying, do I go up to the desk and say hello to Kenny or do I go smoke weed in a parking lot, right? And what do I do? I go up to the desk. And I said hi to Kenny because that's my guy. I'd never get to see him. And, gotta, you know, and, I'm not trying to, and, you know, pat myself on the should,
3: back, but you should do stuff like that. Let
1: me tell you, you should feel honest. If this guy said hello to you, oh, he of course.
3: Me. I mean, he lights like, yeah. up my life, this guy. I love that's it sick. every time I see him. Yeah.
1: I got to tell you, that's like Sarah thinking about a meatball palm. <laughs> there you go. And, a, and he comes and says hello to me. I'd be honest. I'm <laughs> the meatball
3: parm to John's life. I'll take and that. Exactly. I'll take you that. Know what
1: I mean? <laughs> oh my God! That, that's one of the nicest compliments
3: I ever heard. And, yeah, exactly. And we, especially knowing that how much Matt Sarah likes Italian food, you know. <laughs> so, uh, Ray, I know you don't watch
0: the NFL on Fox, but did you see the UFC on Fox over the weekend? Uh,
3: of
1: course, I did.
0: What do you think sure. about uh, Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, and the main event win over over Robbie Lawler? Dos Anjos, man, pretty impressive what he's doing in this new division.
1: Yeah. It looks like he's, uh, very comfortable. I thought, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, where Robbie's at in his career. That was the, the thing with me. I, you know, uh, I, I kind of think again, three or four years ago, Robbie's walking right through that guy, but I don't know. I mean, hats off to Dos Anjos. I thought he did a great job. He looked very relaxed. He was definitely took whatever Robbie had to, you know, give him and he came right back and it was a great win for him. I think the, uh, you know, those kicks had an effect on his leg. They slowed him down. But uh, really, really huge win for uh, for Dos Anjos. Unbelievable.
3: Ray, I want to talk about, uh, you know, the fight between Ricardo Lamas and Josh Emmett. It, it, it was interesting circumstances because uh, Emmett didn't make the weight. He was two pounds over the weight limit. They end up fighting. Ricardo says yes to the fight. Josh Emmett goes out there and delivers one of the most brutal knockouts I've seen uh, anything below 170 pounds, maybe whatever, d- d- despite yeah. of the weight class, it was just nasty. Yeah. What? How do you view that as a coach, and how do you view that, you know, on both sides of the coin? There, if you're, if you're, you know, in Josh Emmett's corner, or if you're in Ricardo Lamas's corner, how, how do you deal with something like that? Because Emmett had a beautiful performance, but he didn't make the weight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh...
1: I don't know. You know, I always, I mean, I I know in the past I've let my guys fight uh, on some of the smaller shows, so it's not the same. But, you know, when another guy doesn't make weight or he's a pound over or... I was never really a stickler for that. I I don't... I want to believe that that didn't have anything to do with it it was unprofessional right but the guy did take the fight in the how long how long did he have for this fight
3: three weeks to a month was it a month Four. Well, three i mean to a, four month weeks. A,
1: yeah. a month is a month is enough time to make the weight so yeah. you know it's not yep. if, if he if he misses again i would really be harsh on him but mm-hmm. uh you know like again i go back to when chris fought damian my i mean it was like 30 pounds in a week i was begging him to just take the penalty i mean yeah. i just didn't think it right, was worth right. it to kill your body and you know you don't want, and you want Damian Maya to have a fight, you know, so it was good that, you know, a lot, a lot of guys want to stay busy, so I'm sure Lamas, you know, wasn't a problem for him. I don't think Llamas is going to blame the weight thing or whatever, but, you know, we are hitting a point where these decisions are becoming critical. Yes. You know what I mean? And if a guy can't abide by the rules, maybe you should just pass. But I think when you're a fighter, you're not going to give a shit if the guy's ten pounds over. You want to yeah. fight. You know what I mean. But uh, mm. big chance for Ricardo. It didn't pay out. You know, big you know risk for Ricardo. It didn't pay out for him. But uh, I don't know. Let's see how it turns out. You know, I want to say that the guy, because in essence, he kind of did Ricardo Ricardo a favor by taking the fight. And I don't know. It's it's one of those things. I think uh, when you look back on it in hindsight, you can come up with a couple of things, but. At the end of the day, two or three pounds, you know, shouldn't make that much of a difference, considering the guy didn't have a proper camp to train.
0: Well, I and I would respectfully disagree with just part of that. I feel like you gotta dock like fifty percent pay if you miss weight and your opponent accept I mean, because the thing is, Ray, is like Emmett weighing in with plenty of time to spare, right? Like there's not enough yeah, of, of a yeah. penalty for Josh Emmett. He's weighing in like 54 minutes before the gun to preserve his body to optimally compete at the weight the next night. You know, right, so right. No, I don't no, know, no, man. No, a, I mean, I I, I, I haven't I have a problem with, with a lot. Yeah, of I'm of
1: 100 percent not disagreeing. I look, I'm I'm good either way. If, if, uh, if Ricardo said no, he didn't make the weight. I'm not fighting. Uh, that's fine, and, you know, taking it. But I think once you accept the fight, it is what it is. That That's all I'm saying. I think if he would have said, I'm not fighting him, right. I would have respected the shit out of that. I would have yep. said, man, yep. that's good for him. But, uh, you know, these guys that want to fight, man, I don't know. Uh, I Some of these guys, you're not going to talk to them and tell them, I don't think you should fight. But that would have, either way, but once you accept it, I'm saying then it is what it is. Yep, but I, got I would hundred percent respected that guy if he said, Hey, look, this was the deal. I had to kill myself to make the weight. I'm disciplined. No problem. Yeah. I'm I'm good either way. So I'm not I'm not saying I'm just saying I you know, I've done it in the past as a coach and I'm not saying it's even a good thing. I'm just telling you I've I've done it. But yeah. um and it's always kinda of worked out for me. But you know, ten pounds is a difference. I think look, even the athletic commission, anything over seven pounds, they're not letting the fight happen. So right. I think right that's a great rule, too, you know what I mean yeah. so how much money, yeah, I think he should fifty percent I'm good with that too
3: the yeah. the early morning the early morning cuts, i feel like are it's a double edged sword you know if you cut uh and if you weigh in early in the morning, you have more time to recover, right, yeah, but if it's early in the morning, you have less time to cut the weight so right it's tough what what do you think about that right? Should it be earlier should it be later?
1: Uh, you know, like, again, I think it's an individual thing to each of the guys. And I think most of the guys, uh, they do like it now they've adapted to it. I think if it's your first, when it was first happening, you know, there was an adjustment period where guys, you know, were used to that extra hour to kind of take off the weight. But so far for me, the guys haven't been uh, complaining about it.
3: Yeah. If you're doing it right, it should, it should help. Yeah
1: right. Yeah, the only guy complaining is me because I got to get up early.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, exactly. we are actually off next
0: Monday for Christmas, so this is likely our last show of 2017. So we just wanted to collectively wish you and yours a happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Ray Longo. Thank you for everything you do for this goddamn program, and you know how much we love you.
1: Hey, thanks, man, and really happy holidays to you guys too, man. I really uh, hope you enjoyed And again, given the circumstances, make sure you tell your wife and your kids how much you love them. And it sounds cliche, but I you said it at the beginning, but it really is true. And uh, yeah, you know, you guys have a great future. You're having, you're living the dream right now, and you have a great future ahead of you. I just hope you're happy, man, because like again, uh, life is short. But we're all gonna go and you gotta really suck the marrow out of this, man. Absolutely do. Yeah. You gotta go for it and just if you're unhappy, change it, man. Whatever you like doing, do it as often as possible. And I think that's the takeaway, man. I really hope the guy rests in peace and he's in a better place than he was if he was suffering. But a really great guy and you guys really, really, really enjoy the holidays. And really, thanks for letting me make an ass out of myself once a week. I appreciate <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> thanks, brother. Happy oh, holidays. H-
0: have a All great right, week. Guys, and in terms of, of giving out love, can you go hug that dog so it'll stop fucking barking?
1: <laughs> yes, I will. We're Thank lucky. you. Thank you. Take it easy,
0: guys. <laughs> All right. Happy you, 2018. Great long ago. Oh, my and do- my dog sits in... My little makeshift office here in Boca Raton, Florida, and and through 136 episodes, she has yet to bark. See
3: that?
0: Actually, she wasn't alive. And isn't it a Maltese? Is it a Maltese? What kind
3: of dog? It is not a Maltese. Oh.
0: It is a Shih Tzu Poodle cross.
3: Oh, okay, gotcha.
0: And with like an ganu type mean streak too, as well. <laughs> um, all it's right, evil. final thought, <laughs> Kenny. Just in terms of the the weight cutting. Okay. I have huge respect for all the fighters who get animated about this and say it's the fighter's responsibility, right? And I understand for someone like you, Kenny, it's like you could probably come on these airwaves and say, Josh Emmett's up to my shoulder and I made 146 pounds twice, you know? I understand. And – But I think it's asking a lot of these fighters collectively to just rely on on their intellect that all of these guys are going to be smart enough to do it the right way or compete in a natural weight class. It's asking too much. And I'm just saying we need to protect these fighters from themselves. And I know a lot of the the elite fighters who have mastered this cut and their nutrition don't feel like, you know, some body or governing body has to come to the rescue of the fighters. But to me, this is a problem. Um, something really bad is going to happen. We hear a lot of h- horrible things that that don't even surface. Um, you know, now with the morning weigh-in, I do think largely it's the way to go. But you have fighters that are sleeping, dehydrated, and, yeah. and all these different issues. We have had more issues, I would think, statistically, since we did go to the morning weigh-in. Um, I just don't want to see something bad happen, man. And I feel like we got to help these guys and uh, these men and women from themselves.
3: No, absolutely. And listen, if you're doing it right, if you're doing it the right way, and you're getting on top of your weight um the early morning uh weigh-ins i think are the right way to go because you're going to be able to replenish uh properly you have more time to recover um but at the same time if you're not doing it well and you're kind of cramming for the test um it's not the way to go man and and as you said uh, you know sleeping dehydrated um, and then not having a whole lot of time, you're going to get guys that aren't going to be able to make the weight. Uh, it, it's just a terrible situation. I, I think it comes down to uh, really having coaches that are going to make sure they're on top of it, uh, mm-hmm. making sure you know they have the right nutritionists. Maybe it comes down to having you know, and, and we do have nutritionists at the UFC PI, right? That are all yeah, oh, that are yeah. available too. But who, who's yeah. actually reaching out to these guys? You right. know, they they got to reach out to these people. They got to go out and get help. And make sure that they're eating well. They're doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing. Um, and uh, yeah, we we got to get on top of this. We really do, especially with all these fights um, that we have pretty much every weekend. Uh, it's something that needs to get better, no doubt about it. And
0: and I'm not intending to come down hard on Josh Emmett. I thought he owned it, and I thought he handled yeah. things very well. He's a guy who has always drawn high praise for his work ethic. So I, yes. I when he says to me inside the octagon in our post fight interview that it'll never happen again, I take him at his word. But big picture. Um, Something bad's going to happen, and I hope we can get in front of this uh, before it does. All right, a couple things on the way out. So this is our last show of the year. Next Monday is Christmas, so we're scheduled to be off. Small chance we'll do like a 20-minute UFC 219 preview on Wednesday just so we can get Kenny's picks on the main card for that year-end pay-per-view in the main event between Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm because otherwise the main event <laughs> challenge uh, would so- be over. over. And I would What's... be eating a Vegemite sandwich. Um, either way, we will post Kenny's picks for UFC 219 on Twitter at Anik Florian Pod. But if we can get everybody at Fox and everybody together, we will maybe try to grab Kenny for 20 minutes uh, for UFC 219. Are you on the Fox
3: lot this week for UFC tonight? You're not. No, we're off. I'll okay. be on the lot for um, the next fight card for the Vegas one. Okay. So, All right. So maybe we'll bang out a quickie. Uh, bang out a quickie. Um, yeah. you watch there's yourself. better ways to you put that. You watch yourself, Johnny.
0: There, there are better ways to put that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've been really, really funny today. I don't know if it's because you're underslept you. or whatever. But, I, yeah. Um, also, uh, <laughs> the third annual AFPA awards will be Monday, January 8th. Here are the categories. I will make this oh. quick. Sh- slash Team of the Year. Uh, UFC Rookie of the Year. I'm told Zabit Magomed Sharipov has been nominated. Uh, UFC Breakout Star of the Year. Best in Octagon post-fight speech of the year. The Robert Fallis Cornerman of the year. Upset of the year. Knockout of the year. Francis Ngannou nominated, Kenny, or no? I mean... Quite possibly nominated. Yeah. Quite possibly nominated. Can you imagine if he wasn't nominated? Oh, we'd we'd get attacked. Uh, Submission of the year. Fight of the year. The Adam Snacks Geller Memorial Male Fighter of the Year. Female Fighter of the Year hottest male fighter so we are looking for the most attractive male fighter uh josh emmett not nominated incidentally for uh most attractive male fighter all right kempo we gotta go merry christmas kid
3: that is not it's nice.
0: merry christmas kid i love you
3: i love you too brother i really made it and uh thank you for coming and saying hello good to see your face and uh fun
0: show Thank you, buddy. All right. Happy holidays, folks. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, if that applies. Uh, we appreciate every last one of you for listening, for coming us up to us in Winnipeg uh, and telling us you appreciate the show. We appreciate you uh, for everyone listening, watching. Thank you. We're back strong in 2018. I think it'll be the first of the year, Monday, January 1st. We're working that holiday for you. Full UFC 219 recap. Then, until then, for The Flow and everybody at Fox Sports, John Anik. Signing off for now. We will talk to you in 2018. Yo, fucking later.
2: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
3: networks wagering week help your bottom line.
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family, and 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family-owned from the start, same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.